Hi, my name is Shoka. I am a monk at Sokokoji, where I am committed to training my mind under the guidance of my teacher, Sokozan. We rely on your support for our programming, including a scholarship fund to cover living and tuition costs for those who are practicing full-time at the monastery. Thank you for your generosity. Conflict. What is, what is conflict in your own mind? You probably know. If you've been around for decades, you probably know that there can be just conflict in your mind between should I, should I do this or that? I can't do that anymore. I've had enough of that situation. I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to bail. A lot of that shows up. And what is being taught here is to uh, observe that. Difficult to do. Difficult to just try to watch it. You can't really do that without some kind of a structure, form. And as far as I'm concerned, without a teacher, without a teaching, and without a community. Questions about that, the, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha are certainly welcome when we get to the point where I'm going to open this up for questions. It is very important to observe anything that's arising, especially conflict. You can actually do this. You can observe intense negativity arise in your mind stream without any outflows. It is possible. And it is extremely difficult. And when I say outflows, I don't just mean yelling and throwing things. I'm, so, I'm, I'm talking about anything, including the shape of your face, the position of your body. Outflow. Observe, observe, observe. If you think someone is to blame for something else, you're, you're just getting on that big merry-go-round go round called samsara, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, as you've heard me say 1,500 times, and I'll continue to say it more than likely, because that's what's happening. Have you noticed how difficult it is not to, what, come to a conclusion about anything? We need to, to be in an open dimension where we haven't con concluded anything. The ego mind starts to come apart. It starts to get stressed. It starts to become fearful. So the sooner we can close that up with, well, I don't like that. That's not, that's not that way. Or else that's one way. Another way is just to slam it shut. I'm not going to do that. I'm not. I've had enough of that. But you could just look at it with all the sense fields, including the mind. The, the mind, the structure of the mind uh, is such that it doesn't necessarily have to be filling up with ideas and judgments, evaluations, analyses, logic. Those are valuable where they are in that situation with that particular dynamic, but you can't just apply logic. And I'm not in disagreement with the Galugpas or the Dalai Lama or uh, Averill Harriman. So the idea here is that when the conflict arises between you and another, or between you and, and uh, between your, the dynamic happening in your mind about a given situation that is arising, that is challenging, that you feel like you, you need to find some kind of an off switch. So you start hitting everything to try to get somebody, something to come off to stop. Conflict. It can show up that way. It can show up as just completely shutting down. Instead of observing the conflict, instead of looking at the, the, I sometimes refer to it as the asymmetry of the mind. Your body is symmetrical and your mind is going every which direction. 
just observe, so important to receive whatever is, a, is arising. Everything that arises comes with its own validation. What is it? It's not separate from anything else. There's a concept you can contemplate a little bit. Anything that arises is going away. Maybe not this month, maybe not this century, maybe not this millennium. But anything that arises up eventually ceases or goes down or back into the elements is another way of saying it. And then it comes back up again. The Buddha's basic teaching uh, when he began to teach was the Four Noble Truths, truths, life is suffering. You could say life is conflict. There's lots of negative words you could use there. Dissatisfaction is another. Depression is another. You cannot stop those. If you try to cover them up or turn away from them, you're just participating in the very energy that creates that in the first place. Don't accept anything, don't reject anything, don't agree with anything, don't disagree with anything, don't ignore anything. Good luck. When I say that, I mean that sarcastically, because it's, it's, because it's so difficult, uh, because the way you work with that is to see how you cannot stop doing those. So when I say, don't add, I know you can't help that. You probably heard me say this a lot. I'll continue to say it more than likely, for a while. So don't add, when it comes up, notice the negativity. That is your, is your responsibility to receive that negativity. Even if someone over there did something suddenly that has affected you and you're feeling put upon or offended or justified or ignored or disrespected. Or can I, I can go on and on and on with all the silly little things that the ego says. Take some kind of a position on something. Some kind of a position. And relatively, you may be correct about she said, they said, he did, or they did this, and therefore you're feeling put upon or offended. The first note for the first, uh, I don't know if it's the first one, but one of the marks of existence of the three is impermanence and nothing lasts. Any emotion that comes up in your mind will not last. If you don't do anything with it, just observe it, just look at it. But it will persist if you shove it away. And one of the ways of shoving it away is to blame someone, which is, is aggression that is turning into passion. Grasping at a culprit. Grasping. Well, it's because they, if they hadn't, and as I've said many times, I'll say again, because I think it's so important, it's not that they relatively didn't do that. Of course, you can take it to court. You've got a case. It's true, they did act this way, act that way, which caused you or triggered you into having this kind of emotion or that kind of emotion. We see it everywhere. Once you start to get onto this a little bit, you'll see it. The, the main stage, the main training ground for this is your mind. When someone says, does, whatever, and then you observe how, how you uh, relate to that and the way that I'm recommending you relate to it is to receive it. See it, smell it, taste it, touch it, hear it, think it. Anything that arises is it. 
And the way to avoid that or prolong the craziness or the conflict is to do anything with it. That's why I say don't go to war with war, even though politicians everywhere are have a highly polished insanity that looks like they're, what's the word sometimes people use, do-gooders. They're trying to just do good. I just want to do good. Before you can do good, before you can actually do function in a way that is fundamentally supportive and helpful to anyone, is be responsible for the conflict right here. If you're abandoning this conflict to find out who caused how you feel, who caused, who's the person who did something that caused me to feel bad? This is your own responsibility. It is your opportunity to live your life completely straightforward in an uplifted and a respectful way to the world. This is a this is the Shambhala vision, the Great Eastern Song. It's already the case. I'm not here to teach Shambhala. I've been told not to teach Shambhala <laughs> by by the let's see, so was it? Is it David Brown? I think it was that told me to stop teaching Shambhala. What did I say? Okay, I won't. <laughs> but some of it just keeps coming out. Conflict. It comes up and. We don't want that. We want something else. Second noble truth. We want something else. But the conflict that comes up has it already has its own backup system. This caused that caused that caused. This is 13 centuries ago. The conflict you're experiencing might have started then in a little corner of Serbia where you were having a what lifetime? You could call it that for expedient expediency. So there isn't anyone to have a lifetime. That's why it is so difficult to see this. Because when we start to get think thinking that we're getting onto something, we've just shrunk down into a person who's onto something rather than what you at your original insight of what you saw. You want credit for it. You want to be the person who knows. You want to be the teacher. Not always. Be a student, receive. When you go to the wall, just be a student, receive, receive, receive. Don't make up anything. But if you do make things up or produce things, then just watch that. Sometimes the chemistry is such that you, you can't help but produce stuff. And if you are on receive and if you are endeavoring to become aware of whatever obstacles or oppositions or conflict is happening, you just see the, you just see the conflict. Happen. Just observe that. Don't leave the conflict for a story about it. Don't become a short story writer, a novelist. Of course, unless you already are one, and have at it. Go ahead and write stuff. Don't send it to me. I don't have time to read it. Well, unless you already have, and then I probably am trying to read it. Am I trying to read anything of yours? No? Good. Didn't you write a book called The Long Lightning? Has anybody read that? Okay. Success. <laughs> I've got a bunch of writers here, I think. Bob Holman, who's a, a writer that writes stuff that 
I think a whole lot of people read your stuff, though, don't they? You know, 30 or 40 people read it. <laughs> uh, no conflict. This doesn't mean that, that, that conflict, that somehow if you do this, there's some kind of guarantee that conflict won't arise. It probably will. Uh, prob- it probably will, especially if you are just receiving. Then all the conflict that was laying around to the corner down the hallway a little ways, I'm talking about the shape of your mind, that conflict got the message. It started to hear, it started to smell, taste, touch, and sense that you're ready to receive conflict. You're no longer gonna be at war with anything. This is the beginning of compassion. There's no one who's compassionate. If you think there is, this is the very nature of self-centeredness, ego, trying to be a good guy. And I'm not saying that the seven points of mind training of Atisha aren't valuable, of course they are. Sometimes we have to practice in that very relative way. That's why it's so difficult because there's no exact formula, excuse me, no exact formula for it. The more you practice, the more you get lost in space. That's why it's important to have a container and we have a monastery. You should have a meditation room or a a, a closet, something where there's a cushion, there's a representation of this path. It might only just be a Dharma book laying on the table. Might be a candle, might be some incense, might be a picture of the Buddha or, or a, a rupa or form of the Buddha. Might be a tanka. You might have a, might be sitting in a middle of a huge meditation hall, perhaps. Needs some, some kind of a form because what you're looking at with the mind is formless. Conflict. You can actually receive the conflict that comes into your mind, even though, as I've said a few moments ago in a different way, it looks like somebody just offended you or said something wrong or any number of things can bring that up. And as I've said, and I'll say again, it's supposed to be there. It needs to be there. It has to be there. If you're a practitioner, if you're a student of this ancient path that goes back 2,500 years, Nobody poured negativity into you. You were born with this negativity. And because of the nature of consciousness, it's not all that difficult to just not look at it. If it starts to come up and starts to crawl up the sides of the, like spiders crawling up your backbone, not a particularly comfortable image, receive that. Rumi doesn't have any problem with Spider-Man. Why should you have problems with insects crawling up your vertebrae. So what am I saying? I'm saying be be with as part of the, the, the three pure precepts. Do good, don't do harm, and be with all things. How are you going to be with all things? See the way you keep resisting everything. That's how you actually look at ego. You see the way you want that. I don't like this. I don't like her. I don't like him. I don't like the way he's talking. I don't like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Negativity, negativity. If you're doing a lot of meditation practice, I'm saying a lot of it, then when you get into that, uh, that um, those fits that the ego tends to produce, you start to slowly become aware that you're, you're a fool. You don't really, you're, you're actually ignoring the very thing that's delivered to you right in front of you. Reality is right in your face, right under your nose, reality. 
But no, we want to do something. We want to get away from it. We want to, we want a special dispensation from somebody. We want to be forgiven or this whole idea of forgiveness and apology and all that, just a racket. Don't do that. Don't do anything. This doesn't mean you shouldn't say you're sorry to somebody if you knock over their bowl of cornflakes. So, whoops, sorry about that. Of course, situationally, you're going to say that. But be very, uh, um, be very tentative, be very aware of the whole system of apology and forgiveness. I'm not going to say too much more on that. Maybe I'll give another talk on it. I think I gave a talk on that a few years ago. It's a rigged system, as they say. Somebody says. Just watch the conflict and don't necessarily try to see ways to turn it off or shut it down. Unless those arise spontaneously, then maybe something will draw you into it in that way. Maybe you'll join the Peace Corps or maybe you'll march on this or that situation for this or that principle. But a lot of that is is not that it not that it isn't effective relatively, but the fundamental misunderstanding is still there. It's still there. I'll say it again. It's still there. It needs to be seen. You need to see that. Everyone needs to see that. There's no way that samsara will be seen through, and you will see through this unless you persist and don't. Abandon for what you are observing for what you think about it or what you or your evaluation on it. Just look at look at it right directly. So look right into the swamp. Look right into the darkness. You can do that. By doing that, the, the three poisons or passion, aggression and ignorance, they, they need a personhood to, to continue to churn and accept this, reject that, shut down on this. They need some kind of imaginary self that is at war, is in conflict. You can see it on the so-called what world stage. You can see it, the conflict, those who are really, really wrapped up in right and wrong are intensely at war, polarized, intensely polarized, and actually think that by voting in a particular law that somehow this is going to change everything. No, it's worse than that. That cyclone has started way before this particular politician or person who's trying to do good. I'm not, I'm not saying that Nelson Mandela or any other person who's done some good in the world. I'm not saying that they, they're wrong or they, that was a mistake. Take some questions. Go ahead. Ian how can I take how can I take responsibility for what is arising in here that sort of maybe reaches out beyond the personalization that sometimes comes with the this is mine. That's how it's done. We receive all of that. You're responsible for the whole thing. Did I get close to what you're asking about? Or was your question kind of weird and nobody would be able to answer that? What is it? 
What do you want to know? What do you want to know? Go there. Maybe I've noticed that when I... Is this about what you want to know? Yes. Good. Go there. I think I've noticed that when I use that phrase, this is mine, that there's something about the blame coming this way. Yeah. That I've been watching for a bit. And so I'm wondering if there's a branching out beyond blame in that I don't know. If, I don't know if it'll be branching out, but what you're doing is you're taking the blame. It's actually a practice. Drive all blames into one. It's a practice, a way of reversing the blaming outward, where you begin to blame yourself, which is also uh, can be used to support the ego, self-centered mind. So that's why it's necessary to do that with a teacher, rather than just take that slogan and somehow uh, drive all blames into oneself. That's a beginning. Is to be responsible. And it will feel like that. But actual responsibility, there's no blame. There's no, there is no one. There is no center of responsibility, center of blame, center of anything. It's centerless. It's, it doesn't have a fringe. It doesn't, because it doesn't have a center. And, and it's completely responsible. Another way to say this is everything is your fault. Everything is happening. Is, is, if you want to blame something, uh, look at it that way. That is devastating to ego, unless the ego makes it into a credential, which is possible also if there's no teacher around. And one may, may begin to think that one is the Buddha, or, well, I'm not done too well, but I'm fairly enlightened. I work really hard, and I must be enlightened. You ever ask yourself, I've worked so hard, I've been meditating for 50 years, or whatever the hell you've been doing, you think, maybe I am enlightened. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm serious about this. And if you think you have an understanding that is more profound, fast, or deeper than the Buddha, then you should ask the Buddha. First, you have to find the Buddha. Where's the Buddha? Buddha's here, not, not in this old man. I'm looking at the Buddha. You need to find it. You might have to start by having a teacher, having a teaching and having a community, but the fundamental realization is, right here in your heart, not your blood pumping device. That's going to go pretty soon. But I'm referring to there can't go anywhere. More? This is you. about conflict. What's all this body language? <laughs> What are you trying to tell me? You're not that cute. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Oh, beautiful cloud. That's right. I guess you are. Go ahead. Can I, I distract you a little conflict. bit more? Can I distract you a little bit more? Yeah. Okay. I just did. Go ahead. I dare you to ask me a question. Come on. The, the blame. Blame. I'm listening. A shifting in blame that may be occurring yeah. this way. It, it's a personal question. Is it okay, you being my teacher, can I can I continue to, to just go into that for a while? Go into what? The, the ego feeding of sending blame this way. So simplify that. 
Is there a problem? No. Okay. Further questions? How do we take responsibility for how our conflicts affect the Sangha? The responsibility would just be just be aware of it. So you may run this way, run that, bump into this, or neglect this, or you know. And and our sangha, it's it's a pretty tight tight knit area. So and it's meant to be that way. The sangha needs to needs to communicate, cooperate, collaborate. Those are the three C's that I've. I probably somebody else mentioned that, and I just robbed it from them or something. Has to communicate. And that means mainly receiving, but it also means some production. The production needs to be relative to whatever is happening. Who, who's like we do with our schedules with this uh, Samu who who's cleaning the bathroom and who's who's doing what. And then uh, there's there's so many different things that that the communication is very important. You you won't get, get the last two. You won't get cooperation or collaboration unless you communicate. And the best part of communication is to listen to what is being said or done. Listen to that. Tune into that. Find out what that is. See what that is so that you can be, you can cooperate with the situation because you see it so clearly. You, you smell to that situation. You've seen it. You hear that situation. And you're able to think about that situation in a, in a clear, open way that develops into, you could say it this way, develops into cooperation. You see it so clearly that why wouldn't you cooperate? Of course you would. Yes. Can uh, uh, conflicts uh, harm Sangha? Yeah, they can. Conflict is harmful, <laughs> painful. They can. But what what is arising, you cannot, you cannot uh, say, well, that shouldn't have happened. Not a good approach to take to anything. It, 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 you might say it that way and say, and, and be able to come up with some kind of a background or a backup or a description of why it shouldn't have happened. But whatever's happening probably needs to be there. Painful sometimes because it doesn't look that way. Looks like it could have been stopped, should have been stopped. They shouldn't have done that. Like all the murders that are going on with people with AR-15s and so on. That's dependently arisen. It's, there's no one person to blame, but it's, there's just, there is no real blame there. It's so incredibly vast and complicated. Making laws governing those, those pieces of machinery uh, may help some, and may have a relative help, but the fundamental help is the, the insanity in the world, that those people who are crazy and are looking for some kind of expression that validates their existence you know, need to have a way of working with that that is not about killing people, to put it very simply. We need to take care of those people. We need to take care of everyone. And that doesn't mean you, you have to just open up and be a, this wonderful caretaker who gets swamped by people who need help. You might have to do it just one person at a time, two people at a time. Meet people where they're at and listen to what is happening with them. Very important. Yes. And we're uh, doing our best at receiving the conflict that's arising. At what point? At what point do we? Uh, what do we look for to see the harm to the sun before it, it's it's really harm? Can you give me an example? Preferably somewhere where you were harming a sangha. Uh, 
me, it would be not receiving conflict. I want to resolve the conflict. Very good point. Being a therapist, I imagine you run into that quite a bit. You're not going to resolve something that you don't understand. You may never resolve it, but there's a guarantee you won't resolve it if you keep trying to put your formulas on top of it, looking for results, guessing, guesswork, guesswork, speculation, speculation. Maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. Receive it. When your clients come in front of you, listen. Don't speculate. More? So how am I harming Sangha when I am choosing resolving over receiving? It just adds to the spinning and the whirl of gig. Just more going this way and that way and this way and that way. I don't see you personally, not not a not, it's not a compliment particularly, but I see I don't see you as is adding to adding to that particularly maybe occasionally you do as far as sangha right. a lack of receiving harm sangha the lack of receiving is going to harm anyone it just causes this thing just things to everything to spin lack of responsibility for what's happening the ability to respond response ability the ability to respond it has nothing to do with blame. If you think it does, then uh, we need to write another dictionary. More? Not right now. Thank you. Thank you for the question. <clears throat> you stole my watch. Freedom Mountain. Jews and Brian. Can we change the way we relate to a relative situation without blaming or choosing? You sure can. Not just you, but anybody can. But it's very, very difficult because we want a reference point. We want to know if we're right or wrong. So we go into something actually uh, pre, we pre-planted something. We pre-judged something in such a way that we look for some kind of standard in it. I'm just kind of inventing this abstractly, but we can go into an actual situation if you so choose. But having any ideas about what's what needs to be done or what shouldn't be done or any kind of uh, opinion or idea about anything causes you to set up another world. You're actually setting up another world called your version of whatever's happening. And so therefore you're relating to your version of it rather than you're actually relating to the the, the area of that of that situation that is very, very, another very, very dangerous to ego. And ego in each person here is, is uh, the whole structure is quite different, say for you, than it is for Shodo or Uno or uh, what was your name? Chokodawa, uh, Dharmakaya Moon. It's much different for each person. And it's so different. This is part of the illusion that helps us that creates uh, the, the tendency to just believe that we are somebody because we have such, our emotions, our thoughts, our opinions, our subjectivity is so powerful. And you are not a separate being. It sure feels like it. So I would say what happens there is we, we tend to out of fear or, you know, the, the fear might not be the raw edge of fear that is really scary. Like we're backing up and it's like a, a dangerous, uh, uh, you know, I was using spiders earlier, but maybe a maybe a, a monster or some kind of a, a dragon. So we're 
we might not be into that. We actually caught with caught a whiff of that earlier, and so we've started started sealing it up with our ideas about what that situation is. When that actual situation, you may never see it. I mean, when I say may never, you might not see it for weeks, months, years, because you always cover that one up. You always cover that one up. Everyone has their own little area that they're not going to look at that is actually uh, the, the, the major uh, difficulty. It even says in Atisha Seven Points of Mind Training, which I think is a wonderful book, if you haven't read it, read it four or five times. Read the one that's a translation and commentary by Trungpa Rinpoche called Training the Mind and, and Loving Kindness, something like that. Is that what it's called? Huh? What? Cultivating. Cultivating what? Loving kindness. What do you know about that? <laughs> I got your number. But I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Somewhere. So one of those, the one that looks like a squirrel, that's the number. Yep. Zero. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. More about that. It's a good question. Really good question. Does not doing anything with her, with what's arising mean continuing to function as if there were no trigger? That's that's an even better question. Yes. Do you remember what you asked? What did you ask? Does not doing anything with what's arising mean that you continue to function as if there were no trigger? No. You remember what we asked? What do you ask? Does not doing anything with what's arising mean that you continue to function as if there were no trigger? Possibly. Pick one. They all work. They all work because they're relative. And what you're asking is it's valid. It's valid what you're asking. But look at the dynamic, how that dynamic can go this way, go that way, and go this way, and change the shape of reality in your projection. If you see that, then you can actually see, uh, as Atisha in his wonderful uh, 59 slogans says, change your attitude and relax as it is. You can actually take the conflict that's right in your mind, right, that's right here. It feels like it's going to rip a hole in your chest. And you can change your attitude and relax as it is. You can actually do that. Especially, I don't think everybody can do that, but if you've trained your mind to see that there is no solid self, and, and listen to that teaching, no solid self, no solid other, Advaita, non-dual. This is something that the, the, the complete master of this teaching is, a, don't remember. Vasubandhu. Yeah, Vasubandhu. Vasubandhu, 30 verses. Incredible formula. Chisho, you have a question? Chishawaling. Um, if it wasn't for conflict, our entire lineage of Mahayana also wouldn't have existed, right? Uh, it was because of a conflict they tore apart from the Theravadans or Siravadins. Yes. Uh, so isn't there a place for conflict in the Sangha or in, in the order, Bhavan? Of course there is. I didn't, did I say anything about getting rid of conflict? No. Who has the conflict? What is the conflict? This is an awareness practice. What is the tension? What is, we want something else. 
And sometimes the demand is so great that we'll go to war for it. We're so thoroughly convinced that those guys are wrong and they need to be taken out. We need to, we need to do something about that and not just, it's just like, uh, going to the war. This is, uh, in the military, which I was in, as you know, I was in the military and they're, you're trained to kill people. And, and it seems reasonable when you're there and you're 18 years old, seems reasonable for sure. You need to know how to use a bayonet. You need to know how to kill people. Go ahead. Is there a distinction between negativity and conflict? Well, the two words are concepts, so I guess you could find some kind of differences there. I'm not sure what it is you want to know by that question. I'm just wondering if sometimes when negativity feels like it's directed at me, I take it as conflict, and I wonder if that's a misunderstanding. I can't imagine anybody directing negativity at you. They, they actually do that? Anybody in here doing that? Directing negativity at you? Well, like I said, it might be my misunderstanding. Oh, you might have misunderstood that what was directed at you was love and, and caring and consideration, and you thought it was conflict? Okay, I like that response. Did I answer your question? Is there a distinction? Like, should we work, and if so, would you work with them differently? All distinctions are creations of the ego. Anything you, anytime you separate this from that, this is the very nature, the very structure of ego is to pick and choose or find some something else. So it's ego. It doesn't mean that relatively there isn't something that's very appropriate. Otherwise, the whole world can continue to function in such a crazy way. Is negativity conflict if we disagree with it? Is that what you're saying? Or is I don't know, maybe, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get too technical about it. More. It's not coming up, but thank you. Sir? Shoto Bowing, if we're endeavoring to start being responsible for our, for our own conflict, um, is there a way to communicate that to people if they feel like they're... Don't communicate it to anyone. Don't tell anybody anything. Just receive. Anytime you see warfare or conflict anywhere, take it, receive it. This is not this is not the the Tonglen uh, the Tonglen practice that is mechanically done as sending and sending and receiving while riding the breath. That's I don't teach that. I don't. I think it's valuable. I think it could be used at some times, but I'd be very um, I'm very tentative about using that. You're inviting too much negativity in when you do that. So. I don't teach it, but Maitri Bhavana or generating kindness, loving kindness in that way, a little bit different, but. So is it too much to tell someone you're just having a hard time and it's not, they're not doing anything to cause your difficulty? Well, you could say that, sure. You could also just have the hard time. Follow it a little bit. Go ahead. Sure, Bowing. If people are even picking up on it. Are we doing some subtle production with it? Maybe. How's it look to you? Difficult. Don't conclude. Don't conclude. Did you just conclude? Don't do that. 
And what will happen? You'll keep, you'll keep concluding, but you'll also see that the conclude your, your awareness will be near the concluding, and you'll see how, how the whole whole nature of, how, of conclusion, how that works to support self-centeredness and me first, my life and my feelings and my emotions. My 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 idea is the one that's correct. Everybody else's off. Go ahead. Sure, bowing. Thinking of the line in the Sadhana Mahamudra. What does it mean for pain to be worn like an ornament that's pleasant? My way of saying it, that's a beautiful line from that incredible sadhana of Mahamudra by Trungpa Rinpoche, who I think downloaded it from the Dharmakaya without any help from you. <laughs> it's the same as I would say it, not quite so poetically. I would say you won't care how you feel. Pain and pleasure, you're in pain, you're having pleasure, you're, you, you receive all of it. You have nerve endings and you have this astonishing, and it's set in the teachings, the, the, it's one of the ways that it's put forth so that you can begin to appreciate this, really receive what this is, a precious human birth. You, this is an incredible, astonishing situation that a consciousness has come down into, into a human form. And it's going to leave pretty soon, probably with, with me, it's sooner than you guys. But hard to, hard to say. Anybody can go at any time. Precious human birth. Don't miss it. Don't know. Enjoy. Receive the negativity. Receive the positivity. Just allow all that to come in. Come to no conclusions. Unless they come, just come. Then if they come, then receive that. But if, there, if the conclusion is produced out of dependent origination, then you are dependent origination. There's no personhood anymore. And as I've said, you won't care how you feel. This doesn't mean you won't go, ah, oh, ah. You know, if your rib cage hurts, you might do that. That doesn't mean you have to pretend it doesn't hurt because you are just appreciating your negative feelings. Don't bullshit yourself. It fucking hurts. Pardon my... Uh, I'm falling into that very expressive word that is probably not used enough. <laughs> it hurts. It hurt. Your life, life is suffering. The Buddha said, he didn't come out and say, everyone should just be happy. Even though there is such a thing as bliss on the Buddha's path. It is not happiness. It's not a relative happiness, unhappiness. Bliss has no opposition. It's just the truth. It's not something you can gain. It's something you just stop covering it up. You are consciousness only. You are, you, who you are is beyond this body-mind complex. This is going into the dirt or into the fire or into the wind. What's that other one? Water. Mr. Pisces person. Go ahead. <laughs> when you say that you won't care how you feel, that seems enticing for pain. Like, I can't wait to not care how I feel with pain. But what does that mean for pleasure? It's the same thing. You, you, you're not, you're not, you don't have to have it. And pain, you don't have to get rid of it. You know, you, there's no demand. But this doesn't mean that you aren't miserable if you're in pain. It doesn't hurt. And you wouldn't take some aspirin or take uh, some painkiller. You might. And if you're having pleasure, you don't necessarily feel like, oh, uh, I'm a monk. I shouldn't be enjoying anything. I should be just subdued and plodding along, looking for more suffering, the truth of suffering. He didn't talk about the truth of pleasure. 
But that's true too. You can actually, uh, excuse me, experience that uh, through just being alive, just being just this precious human birth. Or here you are. Look at this astonishing situation we're in. It's it's very short. It doesn't last. It goes away. But some people are so upset they want to actually leave before it's time to leave. They want to be in control. They think there's a person there. They think they are a person. Uh, we can close, or I, I can take some more questions because there's there's some really good area for questions if you have them. Go ahead. I just want to hear what I have to say because I don't know what I'm going to say. But if you, but you can ask questions that will bring out what you need to know to continue on this path because this is not easy at all. Zim bowing. Go ahead, Jim. How does watching your thoughts lead you to not caring about them? I didn't say you I wouldn't care in the sense that you're dismissive. I would say you won't care how you feel and that you won't grasp or reject. You won't demand more pleasure and you won't reject uh, the suffering. It comes. You'll see that the suffering needs to be there. Your human form, you're in a human form. Consciousness is there. You just won't make a big issue out of it like it shouldn't be there. So, and watching, observing your thoughts come and go, your emotions come and go, and chicken taza, you have to do a lot of it. I don't spring that on you right away, but you have to do a lot of this. It can't, you can't just be a weekend warrior. You, you, have to, you have to really commit to this in some way. And the way to go to the, what looks like the heart of your question is how does watching or observing or practicing shikantaza help you and the way it does this i mean i'm going to say it it does it in, in, in ways that are, are impossible to put into words but i'm going to use some words to to try to help us all get a little closer to it when what arises when you no longer add to it passion that's passion that's the one of the three poisons you don't make any comment you don't interpret it you don't blame anybody you don't blame yourself. You don't do whatever rises in the mind stream. This is shikantaza. Whatever rises, you practice not adding. And that, that not adding, of course, that awareness is going to be how much you add. You'll be aware of how much you add finally, instead of not even realizing you're adding, you're creating your own uh, smelly situation, your own suffering, and not subtracting, not judging it, evaluating it, coming to conclusions about it that close out what it is. So you're training your mind to see what this is. And if you see what this is, no more war forever. You won't fight with anything because you see that is that everything that arises, no matter how personal it looks to you, is 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 a an appearance of dependent origination. It's empty of a self, empty of an other. So there's passion, don't add. There's aggression, don't don't go to war or don't uh, judge. And then there's Ignorance. Don't turn away from it, no matter how much it, how bad it tastes, how, how difficult the thinking uh, process shows up when that particular situation comes about. Just receive. Just give everything your attention. Be be uh, be over. Be generous in with your awareness. Everything. Watch everything come and go and move. It's like an incredible carnival. It's like, uh, as I've called it before, Coney Island of the mind to, to steal uh, Lawrence Ferlinghetti's uh, title.
title, which somebody, uh, not too long ago, somebody sent and said, well, that wasn't Ferenghetti. He actually stole it from somebody else. I can't remember what that was, but that would be good to see who that guy stole it from. We could just go on down the line. There's a, uh, let's see, Mahesh is saying, is there a useful framework to decide when to walk away from a difficult situation versus stay put and continuing to practice with it? Always walk away. And, but, but that doesn't mean walk away physically. You might you might walk away in the sense that you're not going to add. You might you might uh, you're looking at the person. I'm just going to make one up here for you since you didn't describe one. You're looking at someone. Person is giving you difficulty. Drop your gaze. Just stop looking at them directly in the eye. Drop your gaze. That's that's pacifying. And you might even say, depending on what it is, I'm 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 sorry you're feeling you're having such a difficult time. You could, and you could also leave. But might be better to, uh, like you say, staying put. Uh, Mahesh Pan. Uh, yes, go ahead. Mr. Beans, um, let's say you have a difficult situation at work. Uh, so there is this option of changing to a different team or a different company and or staying put in the same team and then and receiving that difficulty. difficulty. Um, so if I receive the difficulty, it is I, I'm able to practice with it. But if I change to a different team, then I'm running away from the situation. So how do I decide like what is better or like? Yeah, it's it's uh, we, we get caught in the situation and we try to figure it out. And so therefore, I would say as a meditator, and it sounds like you do a lot of meditating, which if you're not, you should start and uh, and just receive it. As I say, if it's if it's a person or if it's uh, probably you're talking to somebody who has no mind training at all. Um, and even if they have, even if it's a Sangha member in your community or something that also is a meditator, it still can be difficult. There's no guarantee just because somebody has been meditating for 15 or 20 years or 100 years that they're necessarily going to be any more uh, clear or peaceful or understanding than you might be. So I would say less is better. If you need a, if you need a standard, that's the only one I can give you. Just don't do much. Try to be as aware as you can of, of, of the dynamics of it. And that will be more and more clear to you the more you un that understanding starts within and you begin to see who you are if you don't if you're not clear about this identity then you'll project who you think you are onto others and you'll fight with yourself in the form of other people very simple understanding that is not something i invented it's called projection and it's subjectivity objectivity if, if, if this doesn't if you don't want to feel this, then you'll project it onto others and you'll fight with that. It's called warfare. Um, the whole the Second World War was all about that. So was the First World War. And here I go. Yes, the Peloponnesian Wars were about that too. Yes. It seems like being able to look at a situation that's difficult long enough to understand what's going on or, yeah. It takes a lot of patience. It may be difficult to have if, if it's painful. It is. is patience something we can cultivate? Is it something we can do on purpose? I, I think to some extent, if there's a lot of sitting meditation, which you do a lot, and so if there's a lot of that and there's the intention to, to do that, I think it, it would show up differently for different people. I think so. Patience isn't just waiting for something. Patience is looking at what it is seeing what it is and knowing that that you that whatever it is that you don't know what it is if you if you think 
whatever's arising, if you think you know what that is, then uh, that's uh, impatience, coming to a conclusion about something before it is completely opened up so you can see what it is. That takes time. Like It's like making demands on a flower. Open up. Hurry up. It's like yelling at the, at the birds, say, where are the robins at? Spring. Doggone it. Impatience. Go ahead. Go ahead. Joanna from Sydney, Australia, asks how to respond when someone, as a way of venting, disrespects and puts down other people. I'd like to hold space for them, but also I find it so disrespectful that I want to stop it to break that cycle. So see that in yourself. It's not that they aren't doing it. Of course they are. But most of the world is spinning in some way that sometimes looks pretty good and sometimes looks pretty crazy. But work with it in yourself first. Find what you're pointing at there, which I totally agree with. That's there. But find that in yourself. And, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if there's war here then that you're fighting with, then you'll project it on others. And there's plenty of opportunity to project on anybody about what people are doing or saying, especially people like that person you're describing. Let me uh, go come in there, uh, not in there, uh, not their attorney or something like that. But I'm saying this person is having some success at covering up their su suffering by being uh, an asshole, by being, you know, venting at other people and blaming people and being disrespectful and accusing uh, people, being prejudiced, all of those things. That's all about not wanting to be afraid. And we cover up the fear with prejudice against others, all kinds of just we just cover it up and then we have, have opinions, ideas, judgments about it. And we go to war with other people who haven't done anything. Go ahead. Are you saying that we should find the where we disrespect others or just look at the own, our own warfare generally? Um, both. Both. Look at where you're doing it yourself. As the poet Kabir said, how, how, uh, how can you have uh, if you have a loaded gun in your heart, something like this, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not a poet, but if you have a loaded gun in your heart, how can you have God? So this, the idea is there, find that weapon in your own heart, unload it or, you know, take it out. It's kind of a poetic way of saying it, I guess. But my way of saying it is, is look at the aggression that's here. And, and you can see it. If you sitting practice of meditation, shikantaza, you can see that. I don't teach uh, Shamatha Vipassana. I'm not against it. Sometimes I teach it directly to people because I think they need that structure for a while. But fundamentally, I teach Shikantaza because it's, it sees whatever, whatever personal crap is arising in your mind, it's going to come up. If you're sitting there doing nothing and you have no method other than hold still and watch, you're going to get it. You might not get it this week, but you're going to get anything you've been hiding out from. And it, it may show up as... Uh, it, be, it might show up in such a way that is so difficult, so painful, so embarrassing, so whatever, that you want to blame others for it. And it doesn't take much. All somebody has to do is, uh, you know, spill coffee on your, your dictionary. And uh, I don't know if that would be enough. I'd have to do worse than that. Go ahead. We'll take one more and then we'll close. Tom from the UK is saying he's been practicing being annoyed at what I lack when others provoke me. More on this dynamic, please. Tom from the UK wants to know 
What is it again? He's been practicing being annoyed at what I lack when others provoke me. Well, I can't comment on that. Sounds like you're doing fine. <laughs> but the most important thing you can do as far as I'm concerned, and you're, you're making me concerned, I guess, a little bit here, is, is just train your mind. Spend a lot of time on the cushion watching what your personal mind structure is doing when it, when it is, when the body is holding very still. The body and mind are not two separate things. They're not, this is consciousness. This is, con this is, this is, this, this, this is arising in consciousness as an object, just like thoughts arise in consciousness, your body arises in consciousness, go to war with your thoughts and you're, you're actually, you're actually breaking uh, the, the first grade precept, not to kill, don't kill anything, don't stop anything, especially your own thought patterns, don't stop it, receive it, receive, 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 be very generous, as generous as you can, it's hard to do that because sometimes our own thoughts are pretty icky and sticky, do it anyway. If you make friends, think about it just very literally, if you make friends with yourself, or you're no longer a war, I'm not saying negativity won't, negativity won't come in, you might be swamped by negativity, because you're no, no longer trying to stop anything. So all the negative stuff that's been trying to show up in your mind stream forever, finally, you just get dumped on by what reality, by pratitya samudpada, dependent origination. And you, then you are that, because there isn't any one there, there's any personhood there. That's unreal. You can do that. Be with all things. That's a simple way of saying whatever shows up, no war, no fighting. This doesn't mean you ignore when one person is abusing another person and you're in the same room. You might st stop in there and the person who's doing the abusing and kick their butt. So you still, you function relatively even, it's even more uh, unfettered because you actually are with dependent origination, not a bunch of personhoods. Thank you so much. Let's all go back and face the wall and observe what is moving in the mind stream. Hi, my name is Sokuren and I'm one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan so freely offers his love to us and his wisdom through these talks and never asks us for anything in return. If you value what he does and what he is, and want them to continue, please visit our donate page at sokukoji.org. Thank you.